The New Orleans Saints are in need of a rebound on both sides of the ball. How can they take what they learned from this past week to be ready for the New England Patriots in week five? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, head over and become a Locked on Saints insider by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints today to join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, Saints News Network, Tuesdays in the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to talk about why the Patriots could be the perfect opponent for a bounce back for the New Orleans Saints, but they need to make sure that it's a consistent one, not just a mirage. We'll go through all of that. We're going to take a look at the good from Sunday's loss, the Tampa Buccaneers. Believe it or not, there was a little bit of good there, and we're going to get into a little bit of that to kick off today's show as well, but we're going to look at some of the bad as well as we go through our film notes from the New Orleans Saints loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And all of the conversation this season, or not, the, well, this season, but also particularly this past week, all of the focus has been on the offense. The New Orleans Saints offense struggled uh, or has struggled all season, averaging 15.5 points per game, less than that if you take away, of course, the Rashid Shaheed punt return touchdown against the Green Bay Packers. I think that drops into just below 14 points per game in that case. That's what my brain math tells me, at least. And so if you look at where the Saints are on the offensive side, there's a lot of reason to be frustrated. There's a lot of reason to be impatient about where the Saints offense is, especially when you parallel their production to their personnel, right? The talent that's on their roster. This is a remarkably talented roster with a lot of remarkably talented players that we just haven't really seen it all come together through the first four games. We kind of expected growing pains, right? We talked about that a bunch here on the show, that there would be growing pains. I predicted the Saints to lose two out of their first four games. Just not the two, well, one, not not against Tampa. Tampa was not the one that I predicted uh, uh, Tennessee was. And so the Saints are two and two, exactly where I thought they would be to start the season. But this is a worse two and two than I expected them to be. And the film notes here give us a little bit of an understanding of why I express that. So let's look at three or, or a couple of um, issues that we, we were able to kind of figure out here by watching the New Orleans Saints film from their loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first of which, and, and look, play calling is assumed in, in all of this, but we have to understand that it's not just play calling. Play calling is a place where maybe you can make a change and you can get, you know, get good more quickly, but that might not be the route. That's clearly not the route that the Saints want to go. And that's not the only issue for the Saints offense. The other thing to take a look at is going to be your third down usage. So third down usage against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was weird, to say the least. Um, the Saints during that game... Uh, attempted passes on 13 fourth downs. They had 14 total, but one of them was the the QB sneak that they ran with Derek Carr that picked up a couple of yards. They they converted that one. 
they ran on another one, but then that got flagged for holding. And because of that, which was actually one that they picked up, but because of that holding penalty, they had to step back. They went from a third and two to a third and 11, and they still ended up picking that one up by going to the air. But the thing that I want to highlight here are the, the third downs that are third and five or fewer to go. So third and one, third and two, third and three, third and four, third and five. Um, the Saints faced five of those. They converted only two of those five. So a big part of staying on the field for any offense in the NFL is, can you get yourself to third and manageable? You get yourself to third and manageable, third and manageable becomes easier to pick up. You pick those up and then you stay on the field. Well, the Saints got themselves into third and manageable more than a, a, a third of the time, five out of 14 uh, reps here, but only converted twice. If they would have converted three, they would be, it would go from being a five or converted three more. They would have gone from being a five of 14 third down team of around 30 some percent to over 50% by getting to eight of 14. So that's a big thing. And one of the reasons why you look at this and say, okay, well, the third down usage was weird. Let's take a look at third and six through 10 to start, right? The Saints saw six of those they converted to. They passed on all six. They didn't run, which makes sense. Um, their average depth of target on all six of those attempts, average, and this is from six to 10, right? Third and six through 10 was 6.5 yards. That makes sense. If you're at a third and six, a third and seven, you're getting the ball out. You're getting the ball to a player that's right there at the line. And then maybe they got to turn up field and make a little bit of a play, but not, not a huge deal. Well, when the Saints were at third and five or less, one, two, three, four, or five, their average depth of target was 17.7 yards downfield. And that included a 50 plus yard throw when Derek Carr missed Chris Olave on the right sideline, turned around and went deep to Chris Olave down the middle of the field. This is something, this is a tendency that we've seen from the New Orleans Saints in terms of their third downs all season. It didn't get better last week. Will that be something that gets better this week? Derek Carr, not the same weeks one and two or weeks three and four as he was weeks one and two. It's not to put everything solely on the quarterback's shoulders, but you have to kind of look at all of the different things that have changed over the course of this quarter of the season thus far. So on average, according to our friends over at Fantasy Points, they have a fantastic data suite that's got some of this information. But I, I was watching the film and I kind of saw you know, a lot of checkdowns in week four, a lot of checkdowns in week three, not attacking the middle of the field, more so than weeks one and two, although the middle of the field attack has kind of been lacking all season. And there's a big time difference between weeks one and two and weeks three and four. Let's look at Derek Carr. Derek Carr's deep throw percentage over the course of all four weeks, 16.9%, throwing to his first read on 60.5% of his throws, and then going to checkdowns only 18.5% of the time. So he's keeping his eyes downfield, going off in time to his first read, meaning that he's relying on the scheme, he's relying on the system and everything, as you should be as, as, as a quarterback. Weeks one and two, we saw those numbers kind of tick up except for the check down. So this is where I kind of want to focus the most. The check down percentage, weeks one and two, 5.8%. That's it. 5.8%. No Alvin Kamara in the game for those. Uh, but still, guys that can catch out of the backfield for you, we're still on the field. But then the check down percentage, weeks three and four, skyrocketed from 5.8% to 34.5%. Started throwing to his first read less. Those two things correlate. Started throwing downfield a lot less. First two games, 20.3% of his targets went downfield, 12.7% in the first in the in the most recent pair of games. So you can see that 
everything kind of went back down closer to the line of scrimmage, more lateral, not so much vertical. And these are target percentages, not just reception percentages, right? This is how often he's targeting down there. So these are throws even when things are incomplete. So you saw a little bit of a different Derek Carr over the course of the past two weeks, which kind of makes sense with the injury, the, the amount of times that he's been hit, all those other things. That's how getting hit impacts your quarterback, not just for the game that he's in, but potentially for the entire season. If he can't trust his offensive line, all these other things. So there's a lot of things that go to it. There's also sometimes bad decisions. And I didn't see a ton of those, but you see them sometimes for sure. So that contributes to where the New Orleans Saints offense has been thus far. And then finally, jumping over to the defensive side, and then we'll come back to some of the good things that came from this game. Uh, the pass rush struggled to win its one-on-ones. You want to know why the pass rush wasn't necessarily there for the New Orleans Saints against Tampa, although they were a little disruptive from time to time. They didn't win their one-on-ones. This was a, a, a lot of opportunity for the Saints to draw some of those double teams on the interior, win on the outside, and they couldn't necessarily do that, or draw a double team on the outside, win on the inside. They didn't necessarily do that. Brian Brzee had a really solid game. Uh, but, you know, you saw Carl Granderson not have the games that he's had so far this season. You saw Cam Jordan not be as disruptive as you've seen him so far this season. All of that, although Cam Jordan was one of the guys that did get into the backfield. But I, I think that when you look at how easily or not easily, but how comfortably the Tampa Buccaneers manage their offense, not having the pass rush was a big piece of that or not having to deal with the pass rush was a big piece of that. All right, so let's come back to some of the good things to take away from Sunday's loss, because believe it or not, they were there. We're going to come back to Brian Brzee, but there's another young lineman on the opposite side who played probably his best game as a New Orleans Saints so far. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you the best fantasy football advice every single week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for your daily draft or maybe you're looking at that free agency wire, getting ready for your waiver wire the next week, in any case, we're going to give you the players that are going to be a guaranteed fit for your roster. So let's take a look here at who Vinny has picked out for this week's eBay guaranteed fit fantasy pick of the week. New York Jets running back Brees Hall has had a tough season so far with limited usage, but he did find his explosive 56-yard rushing game on just six carries last week against the Kansas City Chiefs in week four, and that's a great foreshadowing for what's coming up, which could be his best game of the season so far. So when the Jets blow through Denver in week five, look for Brees Hall to fly a mile high and his, with his speed and explosiveness. Uh, the Broncos defense simply falling apart when it comes to the run, especially against faster backs. Brees Hall definitely checks that box. So expect Hall to go off and help the Jets get a much needed road win. Vinny Iyer of Locked On Fantasy Football is here to help you win your fantasy football championship. And eBay Motors knows that our championship team is all about players being the perfect fit. And the same goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you're going to be able to keep your ride running smoothly, whether you're looking for brake kits, LED headlights, uh, roof rack, bumpers, whatever it is that your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not 
cash. Keep your ride or die alive by heading over to ebaymotors.com today. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again, as always, to all your everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Hey, I know it was a struggle to get through that New Orleans Saints 26-9 loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I promise you there were some good things to take away from this game. I've got three of them for you. Technically, actually, I'm going to give you four, uh, uh, but uh, one of them is going to be very quick that I'll save for the end. But what I want to lean in on here a little bit is, is, is where we were already discussing when it came to Brian Brzee. Brian Brzee is a guy that the Saints drafted in the first round, you know, in the, the latter part of the first round using that Denver Broncos slash San Francisco 49ers pick. Um, and they slash Miami Dolphins, they are, they ended up getting this, this guy that everybody thought was going to be a top 10, top 15 type selection, right? But then dealt with injuries all through his time at Clemson, the, the loss of his little sister, um, you know, a lot of personal things that he was kind of dealing with. He had his own like health stuff as well, even outside of like on-field injuries. And so when the Saints ended up drafting him at the end of the first round, there was a lot of hope from some parts of the fan base. There were a lot of question marks from some other part of the fan base about going with a defensive tackle in the first round and things like that. It, it, it's considered a non-premium position, defensive tackle. Defensive tackle, linebacker, um, offensive, or certain parts of the offensive line, running back. Those are all considered non, oh, tight end, non-premium positions. You can put safety in there as well, but they all end up heavily contributing to your success on a game-by-game -game basis. And Brian Brzee was very successful in this game. And this was against an offensive line that's a little haphazard. We're not going to lie here. We're not going to, you know, overinflate anything, but him getting back there for three tackles for a loss, him getting back there for a hit on the quarterback, him getting back there and being disruptive. This is exactly what the New Orleans Saints wanted from Brian Brzee. Now they're not fully done with him at all. He's far from a finished product. He's still a little raw. I like what Dennis Allen said in his day after press conference that he relies on um, his like raw talent into, you know, in all a little bit too much. And, and what, what we mean by that when, when people say that and when evaluators say that is that you're relying on your natural skills more than you're relying on the technique of the defense. And so like I had a conversation with a different New Orleans Saints defensive lineman who's new to the Saints scheme right now, who has a lot of personal things that they use that, you know, help them win in the pass rush game and things like that. But probably isn't going to start to incorporate those things until they're very comfortable and familiar with what it is that Todd Grantham and Dennis Allen are asking them to do. Get the technique right first, and then you can start to add the ornamentation that makes your play style a little bit different. I'm going to sell a little bit more of the inside rush before I break to where I'm supposed to be, but right now, as I'm still learning the system, and as the person behind me might still be learning this system, if I decide that I'm going to fake towards the inside, I'm not only faking out the offensive lineman, I might possibly be faking out a teammate that's expecting me to be somewhere else so that they can get somewhere. Creates a lot of con confusion and things like that. And so maybe there's an element of that to Brian Brzee's game so far that is still relying a little bit too much on the natural skill set than understanding and going through and leading with technique and fundamentals first. 
So as he continues to build that foundation upon which it, the way that I, I, the, the, the kind of comparison that I use is that like, when you learn to play piano outside of your, you know, virtuosos and all these other things, when you have the, when you learn to play an instrument, I'm going to, I'm going to say piano, but when you, when you learn to play an instrument, you oftentimes learn someone else's song first. You learn chopsticks, you learn twinkle, twinkle, little star, you learn when the saints go marching in, and then you start adding your own flair to it. It's like learning to sing the national anthem, right? You, you start to add in your riffs and you start to grow and all that from learning the basics. That's what happens over on the defensive side. And so maybe that you're seeing a little bit of the riffs, you're seeing a little bit of the the improvisation too early, too early for Brian Brzee thus far, but you, you love to see it because once he builds that foundation and then is adding the riffs, adding the runs, all these other things, then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, otherworldly in terms of what he can do, especially with that, the level of athleticism that he brings to his game. He has been very, very impressive to watch all season. Uh, another lineman <clears throat> on the opposite side that played probably that played a great game. Let me, let me just say it that way. He played a, a fantastic game. Uh, was was Trevor Penning? Trevor Penning was excellent. And and I know what I know what I know what you, may, you might be thinking. Well, Ross, the Saints, you know, they leaned in on this quick passing game. You just talked about Derek Carr going to his first read over fifty something percent of the time, and his checkdowns going up from five point eight to three point to thirty thirty four point six. I know, I get all that, but but but. What I'm saying about Trevor Pinning is that not only did he benefit from the quick passing game, as did the rest of the offensive line, but when asked to hold the blocks for more than two and a half, three seconds, he also did that. Now, he gave up two pressures, two pressures, two hurries, no hit on the quarterback, no sack. I believe last week, if I recall correctly, one pressure, I believe that pressure was a hit, not a sack. So you're looking at three pressures over the course of the past two games for Trevor Pinning. He has gotten better. This is what we've been talking about. He needed to get better. He's getting better. And I think that the offensive line as a whole probably played, believe it or not, its best game against Tampa more than what we've seen over the course of the past couple of weeks. And that was with injured players out, right? No Cesar Ruiz after a, mo after a moment. No Andrews Pete. You had Max Garcia go in there. It's good. It, 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 it's a promising thing. And the expectation, according to Dennis Allen from his video with WWL Radio, uh, is that Cesar Ruiz and Paul Sandibo should be back at practice this week. We're headed to practice in a couple of hours here. We'll be able to confirm that. And of course, we'll be live after practice here on Locked on Saints to give you the updates. So there's a lot of good things coming from that offensive line, but a lot of good things now coming from Trevor Pitting uh, in particular. Let's see if they can maintain it, right? Let's see if they can maintain it moving forward. Um, last big note here is, Isaac Yadam, fantastic game. I know he gave up the touchdown. I get it. But he has come a long way. He has come a long way in this New Orleans Saints defense and now becomes kind of this fourth corner that you feel very comfortable going out there with. Like there's Broncos fans tweeting about how, hey, don't pay attention to how good Isaac Yadam's looking right now and all that. The Green Bay fans who, who you know, saw Isaac Yadam on their teams, they got to see him up close and personal with the New Orleans Saints breaking up, you know, and, and creating a, a record number of, of tight window throws, breaking up five passes, like all these other things. He had a really solid game in coverage when targeted and when not targeted. Forced Baker Mayfield to move on a couple of times too, which is always really nice. Uh, lastly, I just want to highlight here that uh, Blake Groupie knocking through 100% of his kicks again is good. It, that's something that like, it, yeah, if you had three touchdowns, 
to accompany those three field goals, you'd probably feel more like celebrating that than a nine point game. But it it is a good thing because you miss that field goal in Green Bay. The question was, does that open the floodgates for more discomfort or are you going to see him rebound? And I, I think we saw him rebound. All right, coming up next, why are the Patriots kind of the perfect opponent right now while the New Orleans Saints are trying to get their offense together? has a lot more to do, believe it or not, with the New England Patriots offense than it does with their defense. Got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Therapy Online has been my go-to for my therapy for a while now. Um, uh, look, I, I don't have the schedule to go and sit in traffic and, and, and drive to a therapist and, and all these other things. I don't have the time to sit around in a waiting room. I don't have the patience to sit around in a waiting room these days. And so BetterHelp helps with all of that because I can do everything comfortably from my own home without having to go out and deal with any of the stigma that comes with it or, or whatever it might be. I can just sit back in the comfort of my own home. I can do video calls. I can do phone calls. I can do a text chat if I want to. So I can even change the medium of it all based on how I'm feeling. It, it's great. It's, it's awesome to have that type of flexibility and even to have the flexibility to change my therapist if I feel like we're not the right fit for free, which isn't always the case out there. So I, I highly encourage if you've been waiting to try out therapy, BetterHelp is the way to go. Go ahead and give it a shot today. Make uh, your brain your friend uh, with BetterHelp. Help. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints with the reason why the Patriots could be key for the New Orleans Saints to get it together over on the offensive side. Appreciate you as always making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day to all you everydayers out there. So when I look at the New England Patriots, there, there's one key statistic or percentage, however it is that you want to look at it, that stands out to me when it comes to why they're the perfect opponent to come up next for the New Orleans Saints. For all of the issues that the Saints have had over on the offensive side of the football, one of the things that has been kind of critiqued to, to you know, at nauseum, has been the rhythm or lack thereof, right? Like, it's one thing to be able to write music. It's another thing to be able to play music. It's another thing to be able to hear music. It's another thing to be able to play music, right? Uh, I keep going back to the musical analogies today. Uh, but one of the big things for New Orleans has been kind of this lack of rhythm, right? And that's kind of surprising considering that they run about an average of just over six plays per drive. So they, they actually hold on to the ball. They're good at long drives that don't, that don't create points. But those drives are still of value because it gives you an opportunity to kind of get in rhythm. So when I look at the New England Patriots, my immediate inclination is, okay, how does the Saints offense match up to the New England Patriots uh, defense? But what I actually found most interesting, thanks to Warren Sharp over at Sharp Stats, who put this out on, I'll just say social media, um, is that it's really the New England Patriots offense that's going to give, that could potentially give New Orleans a lot of opportunity to get in rhythm and get comfortable. Here, here's what I mean by that. There's two numbers that I'm going to share with you. 71, these are both percentages, 71% and 18%, 1-8. Let's start with 
The New England Patriots, 71% of their drives so far this season have ended in punts or turnovers, giving the ball to the other team. 71%. If you think about that, you imagine, you know, Luke Braun and I talked about this Tuesday on the Locked NFL podcast. An average game is about 12 drives for a team. Yeah, about 12 drives. So if you're looking at 71%, that means that basically nine drives, you're giving the ball back to the opposing offense. So the New Orleans Saints could be getting the ball back a bunch in this game too quickly to um, be able to drive and build a rhythm and get in, get in concert with one another, all of those things. The other thing is that that would mean that they only score on about three of those drives. And that's not just touchdowns. That could be field goals as well. So you're looking at a team either nine points to 21 points. So what you're looking at from the New Orleans Saints is a diagnosis point, right? We talked about how the biggest measure of improvement for this team is going to be, can they win games? But also scoring points is a big part of winning games. Surprise, surprise. Hashtag analysis. So if you're looking for this New Orleans Saints team to show you that they can improve over on the offensive side. Scoring more than 21 points could be the way to go. Or you could prepare yourself for three two-point tries and let's say scoring more than 24 points just to have some fun with it. Can the New Orleans Saints do that? So it's a good barometer going up against the New England Patriots. The other thing that I'll mention that also came from at Sharp Football, that's the 18% one. The New England Patriots, 18% third down conversion rate when in field goal in field goal range. They convert their third downs in field goal range only 18% of the time. Where the New Orleans Saints on the list, 48% of the time. That's one, two, three, four, fifth. One, two, three, four, fifth in the NFL. Uh, New England Patriots had 18%. That is second lowest in the NFL just above the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he defines this as 35 yards to the end zone, within 35 yards of the end zone. So the Saints, much better at getting that done. The New England Patriots, not very good at getting that done. So you're really looking at field goals here, for the most part. And then you're looking at getting the ball back a bunch. So the New England Patriots offense could potentially be the key to the New Orleans Saints offense finding its rhythm in this game. However, as I mentioned, this can't be a mirage. It can't just be one good game against a bad team. It has to be, has to be the start of the rebound over the course of several games, Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars, and on, okay? That's the key for this. It's not just about, can you go out there and beat up on a bad team? It's, can you go out there, beat up on a bad team, build your confidence, build your rhythm, rhythm, and then soar. From there. That's the thing. You got to be able to play the song more than once. Can't just learn it for the one concert. <laughs> you got 13 more on the way here. So, all right. Well, now that I've exhausted all of my musical analogies, um, I guess this will be the entract. All right. All right. Let me get out of here. I appreciate y'all a ton, or to be the epilogue. Anyway, I appreciate y'all a ton for being here for another episode of Locked on States, rocking with me despite how strange I am. Uh, coming up tomorrow, crossover Thursday, myself and Mike debate of Locked On Patriots. Going to break this one down. Patriots media looks at this game as an opportunity for the New England Patriots to rebound. 
New Orleans Saints should be looking at this game as an opportunity for the New Orleans Saints to rebound. So who will come out on top? We're going to break it all down in tomorrow's episode. Uh, We're also live tonight after practice to get you all caught up on the first day of practice for the New Orleans Saints. So we'll have that coming up for you. That'll probably be around 6, 630 uh, uh, Central Time or so. Appreciate you as always. Make me part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.